Over the last uh, several years, I've had the, uh, the opportunity to go to several weddings. Um, many of my friends and family members, they're at this stage in their life where they're, where they're getting married. Um, and I, I love weddings. They're such a great celebration, a good time to be together. And one of my favorite parts uh, are the vows. I love watching a couple uh, share their commitment to one another. I think that's a, a wonderful picture, and I love that part of, of any, any wedding ceremony. Some choose to write their own vows, you know, come up with their own sort of thing to do, and some use the more traditional ones. I, I've noticed something, though. I've noticed a change in the traditional vows. And it's, it's something I think that points to our culture and has relevance then for to today. People are still using their traditional vows, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, but with one subtle yet significant rewrite. Instead of saying, as long as we both shall live, they say, as long as we both shall love. Hmm. It's an interesting little change. You know, if you can probably even run by it and not even notice the, the difference, and maybe if you do notice, you're like, oh, okay, that's not a big deal, you know. Love, it's in there, right? That's a good thing, and, and that it is. But I think what that points to is a shift in the, the mindset of our culture from commitment is being this objective thing, you know, in marriage, it's, it's life and death. That's the distinction. That's the boundary. To this more subjective feeling of love. That's, that's the distinction. So it's almost even saying you know, I'm going to be committed to you as long as I love you. Or you can even reduce it further to say, I'll be committed to you as long as I feel like it. Now, not everyone who uses the vows this way and says this word is, is thinking that way. They, I mean, they may mean the fullness of love, that full commitment, lifelong, we're, we're together, that choice. But a lot of people aren't. A lot of people use this and say, I have an escape clause. I have a way out if it's not working out. And I, I think what this is pointing to is this idea that people are faithful only as long as they get something out of it, only as they, long as they want to, only as long as they're happy. So, this is the concept that we're going to be wrestling with today, picking apart. So if you're following along in the notes, people are faithful, only faithful, as long as they get what they want. People are only faithful as long as they get what they want. I think this is, this is the idea that's permeating our culture. And we see this all around us. Sometimes it even seeps into our thinking. As believers, we can sometimes think this way as well. We base our decisions on what feels good, what feels right, what makes us happy. I know I do. There are times when I know that you know, I'm supposed to, to go all out on a project or the Lord may be asking me to do something, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to. That doesn't make, that's just, uh, and I resist. I, I think this idea permeates our culture. Now, if you're, you've been with us for this last week and coming into today, we, we started a new series called Unsung Heroes, and we're looking at different characters that may not get much attention in the Bible. 
might, might have gone past them, not, not really known much about them. And, and we're looking at how God uses these individuals, these ordinary individuals for big things. And we're looking at the different attributes that God defines as heroic. The different things we see in these characters that answers the question, what does God say is heroic? And today we're turning to the Old Testament prophet, Hosea. Now Hosea, his story has everything to do with faithfulness. It has everything to do with what we're talking about today and this this idea that a lot of times people's faithfulness is based on what they feel, what they want. So, before we go any further, to be clear, let's define faithfulness. So if you're following along in the notes, faithfulness is remaining firmly committed and loyally devoted. Remaining firmly committed and loyally devoted. So when we talk about faithfulness, that's what we're talking about. It's this deep commitment, this loyal devotion. All right, so let's dig in. Hello. Let's turn into the book of Hosea. Now, um, if you grab one of these black pew Bibles, you can find the, uh, Hosea on page 627, excuse me, 626. And if you're still getting used to your Bible and you're using a different one, halfway through you can find the big book of Psalms. You've got a few more books after that, and then you get to the prophets. Prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And then you get to Hosea. He's the next one after Daniel. So turn to Hosea chapter 1. And we're going to dig into Hosea's story. So once upon a time, there was this kingdom. And this kingdom was a bad kingdom. This kingdom was called Israel. And after the time of David and Solomon, the kingdom split. There was a big schism, and, and now we've got two different kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Well, this northern kingdom, this was a bad kingdom. It had a lot of kings that came through that led the people astray. The kings, the kings turned the people away from God. This kingdom was characterized by unfaithfulness. Now, God saw all that was going on, and, and it angered him because he made this kingdom. He established it, and he... He didn't like all the bad things that they were doing. But God loved them. God loved them so much that he sent somebody. He sent this guy, Hosea. And this this guy, Hosea, he was going to speak for God. And so we see, see Hosea step onto the scene and he's proclaiming the word of the Lord. Now, this culture, this kingdom, was one of unfaithfulness. The people didn't understand what it meant to be fully faithful. They didn't didn't adhere to the relationship they had with God. They weren't committed to that. Hosea's culture was one of unfaithfulness. Sound familiar? To me, it sounds like our culture. It sounds a lot like what's going on around us. I I think our culture is one that's, that's unfaithful in general. We have these ideas that we do what makes us happy. We do what makes us feel good. We aren't committed to anything. I think that's the culture that we live in. Take this for example. I, was, I had a conversation a while back with some, some folks, and the conversation went like this. This guy um, was dating a woman, 
and he was telling us how he, he was going to end it. And when asked why, he said something like this. She's just she's not exciting anymore. All we do is sit and talk. We don't do anything. She nags me. She just doesn't make me happy. Or, or take this maybe for an example. My wife, she's a development director. And uh, one of the things that she has to do is fundraise. And, and as she was training and, and learning about this job, some of the things that they taught her about the donors was that she was to, to care for them, to keep them happy. If she keeps them happy, they're going to donate. And if she doesn't, they won't. I just I thought that was interesting. Like, you know, donors, if they're not happy, aren't, aren't going to give. Now, again, not every organization that you ever come across that makes you unhappy doesn't mean you should always give. But I think, I think the attitude behind that, that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what we're pointing to. This, this idea that we, we give out of, out of feeling. We, we would be motivated by what makes us happy. That's, that's what's interesting. And I think that's, that's our culture. That's Hosea's culture. There's a lot of parallel between the two. So if you're following along in the notes, much like today, Hosea's culture was not one of faithfulness. Much like today, Hosea's culture was not one of faithfulness. And we see that in his story. Now, Hosea himself, he was confronted with this unfaithfulness. But he wasn't just confronted with it in a very broad, wide, general way. No, this got really specific for him. It got really personal. So if you look with me at the first chapter of Hosea, Verse 1 talks about how the word of the Lord came to Hosea during this guy Jeroboam's reign. Then we get to verse 2, and this is what it says. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman, and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer. Whoa. God tells Hosea to marry a promiscuous woman. Now, a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me have, you know, kind of pick this, what does this mean? We think probably she was a prostitute. God asks Hosea to marry a prostitute. That is a big ask. And there's purpose behind it, and we're, we're going to come to that, but it's, it's real for Hosea. His very marriage has unfaithfulness built right into it. Now, we don't have a lot of narrative in, in Hosea's book. A lot of it is his speaking, his prophets, prophecies. Um, but we do get to chapter 3. So if you flip the page, we get another narrative. And we see these words. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Something has happened between chapter 1 and chapter 3. You know, she, she might have been a prostitute, that's very possible, but she's married, and then we get to this. Go show your love again, because she's an adulteress. Gomer has been unfaithful to Hosea. She has rejected their marriage. She has thrown it back in his face. She's been unfaithful. 
It's real. Now, uh, take up a, a moment here, and, and some of you, um, some of you, this might be hitting pretty close to home. You might be seeing your story right here, right now. Uh, I just want to say, I, I acknowledge that. This might be really hard for you. Um, there might be a lot of pain and feelings that are, that are being stirred up, and I, I just pray that you can, you can still hear what God has to say, and that you can take something away of, of what faithfulness looks like, and I pray that there would be hope and healing by the time it's all said and done. So I just want to acknowledge, though, that it, it might be hard for you to, to hear this story. It was hard for Hosea. He, he's living right here, unfaithfulness out in his own marriage. And so he, he has a choice. He's confronted with two options. He can say, all right, you know what? I'm done. That's it. Letting go. And he could rightfully do that. She was unfaithful to him. Or he could stay. He could be committed. He could be faithful to her. He chooses to do this. And that's radical. In a culture of unfaithfulness where, where people don't understand what it means to be committed, and he even experiences it in his own marriage, Hosea is radically faithful. Whoa. Whoa. Let me pause again one more time and just say that this message is not meant to say that anytime there's unfaithfulness in our marriages, we're called to be faithful. I hope it becomes clear by the end that that's not necessarily the call. But there are times when it is, and, and this is a beautiful picture. And I, and I want us to understand what Hosea's faithfulness really looked like. So if we keep reading, go back down to verse 2, we hear Hosea speaking these words. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. Then I said to her, You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. Okay, there's a lot of you know, ambiguous stuff going on there, but I think what this is saying is Hosea is radically faithful. We see a picture of Hosea's faithfulness right here. So this, this first part, this, he's talking about buying her back with some shekels of silver and some barley. Basically what, what we see here is, is he's paying about a half a pound of silver and a few hundred pounds of grain to buy her back. From what, we don't know. She might have been sold into slavery. She might have married another man and he's, he's buying her back towards the family. We don't know exactly, but what we do see here is that Hosea is willing to pay the price to get her back. He's willing to lay down the cost. He's willing to take it to get her back. So if you're following along in the notes, Hosea paid a price to buy back his unfaithful wife. Hosea paid a price to buy back his unfaithful wife. Now this is, this is going to be really important as we go. We're going to see this idea come back around for those of you who grew up going to Sunday school, it's Jesus. Don't tell anyone. But that's, that's, that's where this is going. There's, there's this idea that's really important in, in faithfulness. And this is, the, this is the first part. The second part comes in verse 3. It says, You're to live with me many days, not be a prostitute, not be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. 
Now, when I first read this, I was like, wait a minute, what? You're getting back together, you're being, you're being remarried, like, you're not going to be intimate with each other? Like, that's, that's not okay, right? That's what marriage is for. Like, these two things go together. You can't separate them out. As I did more study, as I did some reading and, and dug a little deeper, there's this beautiful picture that came out, this beautiful idea. This actually is a wonderful image of Hosea working for healing in their relationship. See, she, she was unfaithful, and, and now sex has a lot of baggage, a lot of brokenness associated for these two. There's a lot of pain and hurt, and if they were to just, you know, brush it on the rug, act as if nothing ever happened, there, there's that tension, there's that, that brokenness, that unresolved hurt still present. And so what he's saying is, let's take time and let's work on it. Let's grow and let's be healed in this. Here is a radical faithfulness to her. Hosea is committing to this. It's a beautiful picture. So if you're following along in the notes, instead of leaving her, he chooses to live with her. Instead of leaving her, he chooses to live with her. All of this illustrates Hosea's radical faithfulness. He's experiencing unfaithfulness in his own marriage, and he has every right to, to let it go, but he chooses not to. He chooses to be radically faithful. That's incredible. What an awesome, what an awesome story. But I have one question. Okay, if, if Jose is radically faithful, why? Why is he so faithful? What, what prompts him? What leads him to do this? What, what is it that stirs his heart to do something like this, especially in this type of culture? I don't think it's because he was a super spiritual type of guy. I don't think he, he was just better than average. I think it's because of this. It's because of God. It's because of God. If you look down back in verse 1, chapter 3, the Lord tells him to go show love to his wife again and then says this, Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Immediately after God tells him to go show love to his wife again, he says, love her because the Lord loves the Israelites. It's all because of God. It's all because of God's faithfulness that leads Hosea to be faithful. He's confronted with God's faithfulness, his, his love for the Israelites, his commitment to that nation, and he, in turn, responds by being faithful. So, if you're following along in the notes, Hosea's faithfulness is a response to God's faithfulness. Hosea's faithfulness is a response to God's faithfulness. Hosea was called to be a prophet. He was called to proclaim God's message to the people. And the message was that they have been unfaithful. But God still loves them and he's still faithful. Hosea was called to proclaim that. He was called also 
to live it. In his very own marriage, Hosea is showing the faithfulness that God has for the nation of Israel, for his people. And that serves as the foundation for his faithfulness. So when we go back and look at, okay, this is a really radical faithfulness, specifically in this marriage, that's why we can't necessarily walk away and say every marriage, should, we should always be faithful no matter what. Hosea's call was out of his prophetic message. His call to be faithful to an unfaithful wife was a, was a piece of his message that he was proclaiming. And God asked him specifically to do that. That's part of all of this. But we see that God is faithful first. And Hosea responds by being faithful to his wife. So let's, let's unpack what this faithfulness of God looks like. In verse 1, we get this funny mention of a raisin cake. Mmm, yummy. What, what's a raisin cake? Well, apparently a raisin cake is this delicacy. It's a dessert-like thing that was associated with idol worship. So when... when um, God says they love their raisin cakes. He's talking that they love their idol worship. And then since it's this delicacy, it's this dessert type thing, there's this um, eating that comes with it that's very gratifying. It's very sweet. It tastes great. It's this, there's this beautiful texture to it, I guess. Um, so there's this self-gratification that comes with it. So raisin cakes, if you're following along in the notes, raisin cakes are a symbol of idolatry and self-gratification. Symbol of idolatry and self-gratification. It's reinforcing this idea that we've already seen in, in the Israelite culture. It's about what feels good. It's about what they want to do, what makes them happy. And here the Lord has said, you've turned to other gods. You've turned away from me. You, you love self-gratification more than you love me. Even amidst that type of culture, God says something like this in verse 4 and 5. For the Israelites will live many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stone, without ephod or household god. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Right here, God is reinforcing the fact that he loves his people. He loves the Israelites no matter what. They turn away from him time and time again, but he still remains faithful. Friends, that's a message for us today. That's a message that that we can take with us. If you don't believe me, look, look all the way back from the beginning. God created the world. He created Adam and Eve. And he wanted to be in relationship with them, but they threw it back in his face. They said, no, no, we don't want this. We, they messed it up. And God had every right at that moment just to wipe things out, be done with it, say that's it. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He waits patiently for a man to come along named Abraham. And this man, he says, Abraham, I want you to go. I want you to go to this land that I'm going to give to you because I want to bless you. I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And I want you to have this land because that's where we're going to be together. We're going to be in relationship with one another. 
And so, as time goes on, Abraham's descendants continue to grow and spread till finally they are slaves in Egypt. They're bound in slavery and they can't get out. And so God shows up and he rescues them. He pulls them out of bondage. He parts a Red Sea and he walks them out. He saves them. And what does he do next? He takes them to a mountain and enters into a relationship with them. And he says, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. Here is the Lord's faithfulness lasting through hundreds of years. But the people, they, they keep turning away. We see that through the time of the judges, the time of the kings, they over and over again show that they're unfaithful. And so God finally comes around and brings the climax of the story. He brings Jesus in. And in the ultimate expression of faithfulness, Christ goes to the cross on our behalf. He says, I'm going to die in your place for you so that we can be together. I'm going to show my faithfulness to you. This is what the Lord has done on our behalf. This is the gospel. Christ has come to show his faithfulness to us. This is what Christ has done for us. So if you're following along in the notes, we see that the Bible is the story of God's faithfulness to his people. The Bible is the story of God's faithfulness to his people. All the way through, God has demonstrated no matter how unfaithful you are, no matter how many times you mess up, I'm still there. I am still faithful and I am not going to leave you. Friends, that's a message I need to hear. It's a message we need to hear. Over and over again, we, we might stumble, we might make mistakes, we might mess up royally. But no matter what happens, God still says to each one of us, I'm faithful to you. He is never going to leave us or forsake us. He is going to go all the way till it, it fixes everything. This is the Lord's faithfulness. So if you're following along in the notes, no matter how unfaithful we are, God is always faithful to us. No matter how unfaithful we are, God is always faithful to us. No matter what we do, no matter how badly we may turn away from God, how far down the path we may walk, He is still faithful. He will not leave us. He will always be committed to us. That is the faithfulness that Hosea comes face to face with. That is the faithfulness that we come face to face with. Friends, no matter how bad it gets, God is always there, always right there saying, I'm still here, I'm still faithful. That's the beauty of who God is, and that's the beauty of the gospel. So we can see that God's faithfulness is what spurs on Hosea's. 
It's because he is faithful that Hosea can be faithful. It's because he's faithful we can be faithful. And, and here's, here's the big idea. Here's the whole point. A realization of God's faithfulness sparks a radical faithfulness in us. So if you're following along in the notes, God's, a realization of God's faithfulness sparks a radical faithfulness in us. So this is, this is what happened with Hosea. He came face to face with the Lord who loved the Israelites unconditionally. And he responded with faithfulness. That's what we're called to do too. We're called to respond in faithfulness. Now this doesn't mean that we, we muster up enough energy, enough strength to make this happen. No, 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 no. It's all because we know and come to realize who God is. It's being confronted with him that sparks faithfulness in us. We don't earn it. We don't make it happen. God does. When we see how faithful he is to us, it changes our hearts so that we can be faithful too. So what does this look like? How does this actually play out in our lives? I think it comes in two ways. And if you're following along in the notes, we can show faithfulness through two relationships, with God and with others. We can show faithfulness through two relationships, with God and with others. So first, with God. How do we show faithfulness to God in our relationship with him. I think, um, just like in a marriage, we give priority to that relationship. I think we, we, we say, God, you are the most important thing in my life and elevate it to that position because it is. It is the most important relationship. And so to show faithfulness to him, I think we spend time reading his word. We get to know him there. We read the stories about what he's done for his people, what he's done for us. It's there we get to see who God is. So we spend time reading the Bible. We spend time in prayer. We come to the Lord, we pray, we communicate with him, we share, and we become more and more intimate with him. That, that's what happens in prayer. It's, it's spending time and making a priority of those two things. I think it also means that when we're faced with decisions, we come to the Lord. We turn to him and say, God, what, what would you have me do? Should we go here? Lord, should we buy this house? Lord, should we, should we get our family involved in this? I, I think all of those types of things, big to small types of decisions, we we'll always come to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have us do? What would honor you? What would be pleasing to you? This is what I think it means to give priority to the Lord, to give priority to that relationship. That's how we show faithfulness to him. Okay, so what about the second relationship? I think when we, with others, I think we show faithfulness in a variety of ways. Um, you know, let's take marriages because that's a great picture of it. When we get married, we, we pledge exclusivity to that marriage. This is, this is a commitment I'm making to that person. I think we, we spend time as if that were the case. A lot of times I think we can, we can sit on a couch with a, with a spouse 
and be you know, sitting real close to each other, but be so far apart. I think the call is to, to work on it, to grow together, to encourage and build into one another, not to see what I can get out of it, but rather what can I give. Now, I should mention here, coming back to marriages, we see something unique with Hosea and his marriage to Gomer. God asked them to be faithful. He asked him to to be faithful to an unfaithful wife. There are times when that should not be the case for us. Overall, yes, be faithful to your spouse. But in times of unfaithfulness or abuse, times when there is is real hurt and pain going on, where there is, is harm being done to you, that is not a relationship to stay in. That is not a marriage. Sure, maybe try and work on it, but the Lord is not asking you to, to, to be in a, an abusive relationship. That is not the application of this text. What is the application for marriage is to say we give everything we can to make it work, to be faithful, to, to adhere to the commitment that we've made. And we make that a priority in our lives. That is, that is what faithfulness looks like in a marriage. What about outside of marriage? Some of you may, may love your jobs. You may enjoy going to work. Some of you may hate your job. You hate getting up each day and going to work. It's a struggle. I think one of the ways we can show faithfulness in our jobs is those times when even if it is good or if it's really bad, we give our best. We give 100% to what we're charged to do. If you're given a project, you give it everything you've got. When, when we're asked to, to, to fulfill a task, we do everything we can to do it to the best of our abilities. That, that shows faithfulness. It's so easy sometimes to, to get back into this slack-off type of attitude, especially when the job isn't good. You don't like the people. They, they treat you poorly. They take advantage of you. It's so easy just, you know, I'm going in, get my paycheck, do my thing, getting out. Maybe being faithful is to go the extra mile. It's to give everything you've got. And, and I think other times, too, it can look like, you know, when you get an opportunity to, to, to talk about a coworker, you know, someone say, hey, what about so-and-so? What, what choice are we going to make? Are we going to say, oh, they're so lazy, and, they don't, and I, I don't like working with them? Are we going to say, you know, he, he does these things really well? Are we going to build up our coworkers, our bosses, our company in the eyes of others? I think the call to be faithful means giving the best light that we can about people and about situations. Or let's maybe just take friends or, or even strangers. There are times when, you know, we say, oh, I'll be there at such and such time or I'm going to do this for you. The call to be faithful means we follow through. If you say you're going to be there at a certain time, we should be there at a certain time. If we commit to, to following through on a, on a task to help someone out, let's follow through. That's what faithfulness looks like. So, we've been working with this definition of what a hero looks like. And if you're following along in the notes... Today, this definition looks like this. A hero is a person who by faith 
answers God's call to be faithful. A hero is a person who by faith answers God's call to be faithful. This is what it looks like. This is what um, God has spurred in Hosea that he says, here's what a hero looks like. Faithfulness. Friends, we don't get that on anything that we do on our own by measuring up from our own strength, but rather it's when we come face to face with the faithful God that we can be faithful. A realization of God's faithfulness sparks a radical faithfulness in us. That's the idea. That's what a hero looks like. Today we get to celebrate communion. And this is a wonderful picture of God's faithfulness. We're actually going to play out this idea. We're going to be confronted with God's faithfulness right here at the table. And we're going to go from here knowing that God is faithful to us so now we can be faithful to him. And I hope that our prayer as we leave today is this, and if you're following along in the notes. Lord, help me to show faithfulness to you and to others. Lord, help me to show faithfulness to you and to others. When we're face to face with God's faithfulness, we can be faithful too. That's the work of the Spirit. That is what the gospel does to us. It changes us. When we realize God's faithfulness, this sparks a radical faithfulness in us. So let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you have shown us faithfulness. Lord, we are grateful that you will not leave us, but that you have given us your Son who has died for us to show how faithful you are to us. Thank you, God, for that. I pray, Lord, that this this idea would be planted deep within us so that as we go about our day, as we live our lives, we will show a radical faithfulness to you, to those around us. Lord, help us to do that. Thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your faithfulness, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.